You're listening to The Message Talk Show, where your message matters. We interview purpose-driven, mission-centered speakers, authors, content creators, educators, passionate about what they do. Because passion brings change when you tell your story. Now put your hands together and welcome your host, Alex Gordon. We are back. Today is Thursday, 11 o'clock, and we're tuned in for a great show today. We're talking about how to position yourself, how to make positive moves in your life. See, I got the title wrong just then. How to make positive moves in your life. Good morning, good afternoon, and I tell you, if you're in Australia, it's probably good night because it's night there right now. But this is the Messy Talk Show broadcasting from sunny London. Yeah, I look outside the window and I think, wow, it's a lovely weather today. It's warm and it looks good and it feels good. And you're thinking, wow, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Despite the challenges that we face, people are out and about now making living, living, that's what I've said, living, but living cautiously because you have to maintain the distancing rules. Don't break the distancing rules. So today we're, we're, we're talking about how to make positive moves in your life. And, uh, you know, the, there's always a hiccup, but hey, despite hiccups, we've got to go. We've got to get this show together. And so let me say one thing today. What have you done for the past week that you can look back and think, hmm, I've done something positive with my life? What have you done? Look back in the past week. Answer the question, what have you done in the past week that you think is positive? I've made a contribution. What have you done? Think about it. Every day you wake up and you do things. Every day you get up and you, you perform a routine. And you're supposed to live every day of your life. And every day that you get up, you're living. But sometimes you put things off and you delay doing things. Because at that moment in time, you, you probably don't feel like doing it. You don't feel like making it happen, and because you don't feel it, it, does, it becomes an issue. It becomes an issue, and therefore, it's no longer an action that you take. So what have you done in the past week that you can say has been made a positive contribution to your life and to the lives of others? What have you done? Let me pause for a second. I know I've I'm, I'm, I'm dropped out of my normal routine, but think about it. What have you done? Because you've got to think about your life, about where you want to go, where you want to do with it. It's, you know, there's no remake of this life. There's no rerun. Do you realize that? There is no rerun. Whatever you're doing right now is live. You know, when I do the broadcast each week and I go back and I listen and, you know, it's recorded on YouTube as well. So there's always the replay. So you go back and you, and, and you rewatch what's happened. And I can go and edit the videos, edit the, the, the podcast before I push it out. But do you realize there's no editing mode in your life? Every day, every action you take is real. It's positive. And so you have to think about what you're doing. How is it enhancing your life or making things better for you? So, okay. Everything looks positive now. So before I bring on my wonderful guest today, let's just jump into the script. Welcome to the Message Talk Show, broadcasting from London. We believe that passionate, mission-centered individuals bring change. We work with educators, content creators, speakers, consultants to go from, wait for it, unknown to un forgettable. Did you get that? Go from unknown to unforgettable by crafting your message and getting your message out. So if you're a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur just starting out, if you're someone who's just putting your ideas together, 
connect with us. Let's help you get that message out. Let's help you broadcast that across the world. Let's help you craft your best talk. And we broadcast on Thursdays, 11 o'clock. Every Thursday, 11 o'clock, without fail. We're here. Whether you come or not, we're here. So here's what I want you to do for me right now. Here's what I want you to do for me right now. I want you to press the share button. Find the share button and press that share button. Okay? Press that share button right now. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to bring on someone special today. A guest I have in the house today coming all the way. This guest is international yet again. You know, we're going places, you know. We've got another international person again who's going to be talking with us. So before we go, let's, let's, let's get her to say, hi, Sonia. Sonia. <laughs> hi, 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 hi. How do you do? How are you? Fine. We're doing well. We're doing well today. So we have Sonia in the house today and she's, uh, she, she's being her best self. But let, before she talks to us today, let's, let's, let's get you to think about this, how to make positive moves. Right. A positive frame of mind happens because of the action you decide to take in your life. A positive frame of mind happens because of the action that you decide to take in your life. When you make that decision, here's what happens. When you decide, you cut off all other options. When you cut off all other options, it means that you have a single focus because you've made a decision. You've made a decision. You cut off and you make a, a single focus. And you've made that decision in this particular direction. So well, here's, why I'm, here's why I'm saying this, because... Having, 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 having listened to the past three or four months and what came back to my mind was the Windrush generation. I'm here today. We're here, a lot of us here in the Caribbean community are here because of some of the decisions that were taken by the Windrush generation. They, they made a decision to leave their homes in the Caribbean after an invitation, of course, and come to the UK to live and work and, and, and develop their lives and raise a family. And because of those decisions, they cut off every other decision and came wholeheartedly to the UK. And I'm here today as a result of that. Yeah, I'm a result of that. First generation British from my family. But here it is. When they came, they weren't accepted. When they came, they were not accepted by the masses. The in immediate culture did not receive them, but it doesn't stop them all the same. Now, I used to ask myself this question as to why my parents went to church so much. It was a question I asked myself time and time again. As a kid, when I was growing up as a kid, I spent loads of time inside church, loads of time inside church. Even times that I think I should have been at home doing my school homework, I was at church with my parents and especially my mum. I was just to wonder why did they go to church so much? And it's not until I started to revisit the Windrush story and I hear the Windrush stories come over over and over again about what they did and how they came, I realized the whole reason, one of the reasons, I won't say the whole reason, one of the reasons why they love church so much, it was the tribal effect. Their own community where they felt wanted, their own community where they had status, which they created themselves, their own community whereby no one was pointing a finger at them, no one was judging them. No one was judging them for who they are and what they look like. And so they came and they built churches. It wasn't corporations our families built. It wasn't, you know, um, entrepreneurial activities, although there were entrepreneurs, but they spent a lot of time building churches. And so the Windrush generation from the 50s to the 60s into the early 70s, it was very church-centered because that's where the community was. And because of those decisions, I'm here today, and I'm just saying thank you to that generation. I'm saying thank you to that generation for what they did, for the way they came and the way they lived their lives. There was no social security for them to fall back on. They had to work every hour that God sends. And I, there's stories in our communities of four or five families living in a house until they saved their money to then go and buy a house of their own. And I don't know if, if a lot of you know that a lot of the, the cities, some of the hotspots, in, especially London, which are now expensive areas, the, the Brixtons, the, 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 the Crouch End, the Muswell Hills, 
you know, Tottenham, those areas were, were populated by a lot of black Caribbean people, a lot of black people, a lot of Caribbean people. That's where they lived. And to a large degree, a lot of them started returning home after the 70s, going back because the dream was to go back home. But um, we were left here as a generation to carry on. And so those decisions they took is left the consequence today as this generation here making an impact in the world. So why am I saying this today? How to make positive moves in your life. And I'm going to give a quote. And this quote comes from a book called The Self-Confidence Boost. Self-confidence boost is essential because the moment you make the decision to improve or boost your confidence is the moment your world will change. Research has shown that people who have high self-confidence view self and the world in a positive way. They achieve what they set out to do. The moment that decision is made, they achieve self in a positive way. Now, without further ado, I'm going to bring this lady on now and introduce you now to this lady because this lady is the author of Self-Confidence Booster, an awesome book. And I had the opportunity to trek my way through that book and thinking, wow, this is amazing. So here's a lady I've got on the show today. Sanya Green Reynolds is a Jamaican native, living her dream of experiencing and contributing to education on a global level. She's an English teacher. She has been teaching for 18 years. She's taught students in the Jamaica, the Caribbean, Japan, and the United Arab Emirates. She's an author. She's a best-selling co-author. The self-confidence booster was translated to Japanese to provide further inspiration and motivation to her students in Japan. She has many awards. And one of those is English Teacher of the Month, the most innovative English teacher, Education Journal Middle East Teacher of the Week, and recognized as the teacher with the highest NWEA map progress. She's also an awardee of the Walden University Scholar of Change because of all the social activities that she gets involved in. She's built an organization that's called Expat Christians Network, and she has a diploma in English language. She has a BA in elementary education with first class honors, certificates in TAFL, management and coaching qualifications, and she has a master's in education leadership and administration with honors. This lady is an awesome lady touching the world today. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, I'm going to introduce you to Sanya. Sanya, my Sanya, how did you find the time to do all that stuff? How did you find the time, Sanya? Find the time, man. There's no space for anything else. <laughs> Just pray and live good, you know? That's, that's the rest. <laughs> Just pray and live good. Now, here it is. Here it is. Most people, there's always a story behind everyone. And so when we see the end result, when we listen to this bio and we listen to what this lady has done, we think, wow, we think, isn't that amazing? She's awesome. But there's always a story behind this. And I wanna, I wanna go back to the, where did this all begin, Sanya? Where did this begin for you? Well, uh, first and foremost, I must say greetings to all the, uh, the listeners, viewers. Um, Wow, where did it all uh, begin? That's an awesome question. I'd say in a little place in Warsaw, Trelawney, Jamaica. (laughs) That's where I, you know, I was born. That's where um, I was thought about. And so I give thanks to be here all across the world right now doing awesome things. But, you know, I clearly remember my childhood you know, as a little girl who grew up, who was born in Warsaw, Trelawney, Jamaica, um, a very rural town to this very day. You know, two years ago, I got to see the house in which I was born. It's practically dilapidated now, but it keeps me humble to know that, yes, this is where I was born, but I was never limited by this geographic, this little piece of plot of land or this little board house. And so... Um, I grew up in Warsaw, Trelawney. I went to basic school there. That's what the world now calls kindergarten. And I went to primary school there. And I went to high school in a neighboring, in the the city next door, um, which was not seen as a traditional high school. But that's where I went. That's where I got my um, fundamental education. And then from there, 
I moved on to teachers college and whatnot. But, you know, to fill all of those spaces where people are wondering what happened, you know, was it smooth sailing? No, life was never, ever smooth sailing for me. Um, it was challenging. I had to, you know, <laughs> you know, when I was two and a half years old, two years, three months, let's put it that way to be specific, you know, my I, I, I was left with my grandmother and my grandmother passed recently, was just buried last weekend. Um, and, you know, she, I grew up with her. So right there in the midst of things, you know, my reality was, was very different from a lot of people who would have grown up with their mom or with their dad or with both of them living together. My dad was away working my, most of the time and I grew up with my grandparents. So life was different. It wasn't the worst life, but it was different for me. Um, and when I think about my classmates and a lot of other kids that I really liked, they had their parents or at least one of their parents at home. You know, my situation was different. But then and there, you know, I made a decision that my life was going to be different from my parents. And so that's where it all began. That's where the whole but, thing okay, began. Okay, but let, let me stop you there, Sunday, because you said you made a decision. Now, we're talking about early, early teens here. You mm -hmm. said you made a decision that your life mm -hmm. was going to be different. What, uh -huh. prompted, what prompted that decision? What prompted that decision? Well, I, as I said, my life was different from the others around me. You know, um, I would get laughed at at school for how my hair looked, for example. My hair wasn't neatly combed like most of the kids in my class whose moms would have combed their hair. Because, you know, I don't know, for, for those in the, in, the, in the Caribbean who are listening or from Caribbean diaspora, you know, they would know about Granny Platt. They, those aren't the cutest hairstyle to wear to school. <laughs> and let me tell you, little kids are something else. They can be vicious and they can be be very, you know, they can tease you to, to, to tears. And so I remember those moments. I remember moments when I wanted to go on school trips, but my grandmother thought that she was not going to send me on a school trip. Whereas, you know, a lot of my, par my, my, my classmates, their parents, younger parents who were more open to that kind of lifestyle, you know, they were more like, okay, I'm going to send my kids on school trip, or I'm going to let my kids take part in extra, um, activities at school. Whereas my grandmother was more of protection mode. You're going to school and you're coming straight home. And I can't understand her thinking wow. behind that, but, but it was different. And so I felt like, you know what, I don't want my kids to grow like this. Not that I don't love you, Grandma, not that I don't love what you're doing with me, but, you know, I do understand your heightened sense of security, but I would want my kids to be able to enjoy life more and have a more holistic um, experience, you know? So, 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 so you made a decision that your life wasn't going to be like your grandma's, but then you decided to go to teacher's college. Why teaching? Yeah. Why teaching? All right. So, so let me pull back a little bit before even going to teacher's college. Um, when, when I was, um, before I turned 18, I ended up having a daughter. Um, I decided to break free from all the, the high level security that my grandparents put up around me. And I went <laughs> on my own. <laughs> high level security. My God. <laughs> I grew up in a, you know, my grandparents, they, my grandmother was, uh, was very spiritual, grew up in the church, everything, but they're just came a point in my life where I just felt a little bit rebellious because um, I couldn't go here, I couldn't go there, I couldn't go anywhere. And then the moment I tried to slip out, you know, I, I, I really got myself into the deep end. I got myself into trouble. And so the moment I got pregnant with my daughter, that's when I, I that's when, if I didn't, if I had said before that I decided that my life that my kid's life was going to be like mine, that's when I knew for sure that I had to do something to make sure that my children's life looked different from mine. And, you know, at that time, I wanted to become a police officer. That's what I wanted to do initially. Okay. 
um, yeah, I wanted to be in law enforcement. I had a plan and my plan was just to, just because of funding and it being easier and I would easily get into law enforcement because I was smart. I was a bright person. Still, I'm a bright person. Um, I was like, you know, <laughs> I was yeah, like, no. you know, I was going to pull you on that one here. I was smart. <laughs> I was going to pull you on that, like, but you, you corrected it. I was like, you know what? This should be easy. I'm going to do this. And but by the time I left high school and was supposed to go in law enforcement, I went to do it and I was too young for it. I was 17 at the time I left high school. And then they wouldn't have taken you into the force at 17. You had to be 18 unless you were involved in cadet. And this was information I didn't know in high school. And so by the time I was there, turned around two times, got pregnant. And then at 18, I'm like, what? I'm pregnant with a child. Uh, I can't afford for my child to come and live the same life that I lived growing up, you know, not having my parents there. And so teacher's college was the next thing for me. And I went to teacher's college because it was the next easiest thing, to be honest with you. I had all the requirements and at least I could try my best to scrape the funds that I needed together because there wasn't a situation where, you know, I was planned for in a way to say, okay, you, this is the money you're going to use to go to college or this plans we could, have for you. Couldn't you, apply for a, couldn't you apply for a grant or a loan? Uh, well, uh, well, you could get part, you could get like 20% of your fees being, I think 30% being paid. And so that's how I ended up through the three years of teacher's college. I did the community work and get the 30% of my fees being paid. Wow. Wow. So you, 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 you were really determined by then to go to teacher's college. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I come out the other side of the teacher. Yes. So, so you went to teacher's college. After teacher's college, you probably taught for a while, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and then I'm, I'm jumping now. I'm jumping now because what, where I connected with you now is when you've gone halfway across the world. How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? Because you left Jamaica and went halfway across the world. Yeah. I think we met when I was in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was in Japan, yes. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't in Japan, all right? Let me just tell you that, right? <laughs> I, I was not in Japan. Just in case this story gets to my wife, all right? I wasn't in Japan, okay? I didn't, no, I didn't meet him in Japan. I was in Japan when we met on the internet. Okay. All right. So, so, um, you know, even when I was in teacher's college for me, uh, I, I really, I knew I wanted to migrate. I knew I wanted to migrate because when I looked at the current situation in Jamaica and the and teaching in Jamaica, how teachers are underpaid and mistreated all the time, you know, I love the country. I gave back a lot, but I still wanted to travel overseas and especially see education from different perspectives. Um, and so I moved, I moved abroad on the Japan exchange teaching program, that's JET. And then I spent about, I think I spent two and a half years in Japan. And then after Japan, I went to, I moved to where I am now, which is the UAE. And hey, it can, just, can, can you speak Japanese? Can you speak Japanese? Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you just say? What did you just say? I just said hi. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Konnichiwa. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so and that's how I'm now here in the Middle East. To be honest with you, um ever since I was in college, this is where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in the Middle East. So, you know, coming to go in Japan and then coming here was just kind of like a building block, a stepping stone for me. I wanted that international experience, which would make it a little bit easier for me um, to get to where I wanted to be here in the Middle East. So you wrote the book when you were in Japan? Yes, I did. The Self-Confidence Booster. What, what drove that book? As I said, you know, I met so many kids, so many amazing kids and even their teachers in Japan who lacked self-confidence. And at the same time, I knew many people, you know, who have met otherwise who just lacked the confidence. And I, and, and when I, I, I was there, 
um, by, I was there mostly by myself. And my main focus was really to work and take care of my children. So I wasn't one of those uh, jets who would, who would travel a lot. Whilst my, my, my colleagues were traveling a lot, I used my time to write that book. And that book was mainly, is written mainly to just encourage people to be confident and give them little, little tips that they could, you know, integrate in their daily lives just to develop that confidence. I met a lot of people, they knew more grammar than the ordinary uh, person who lives in London or even Jamaica or US. Wow. That's how they are in Japan, right? They study a lot of grammar and they study, you know, at, but when it comes on to using it, when it comes on to speaking, they are so scared to open their mouths to speak. And it was wow. so alarming to me. And so, you know, I decided because I was really doing this every day, I was really, you know, trying to give them the confidence, encourage them to speak more. I worked a lot with kids for speech com uh, speech competitions and so on. And so I was. It's not just about rehearsing the speech with them. That's just half of it. The, the other half really is helping them to feel confident to go in front of an audience and speak up and speak as if they really do believe what they're saying, you know? Wow, that, that's amazing. So Self Confidence Booster came out, it was translated to Japanese and the world just took off for you just then. Yes, to be honest with you, a lot changed after that book came. <laughs> Right, okay. That book is my bestseller. It didn't get bestseller on Amazon, but that yeah. book was legitimately my bestseller just because of how it improved my life and how everything else that happened afterwards is just a, a it's like that was the foundation for everything else that happened afterwards. Wow. Okay. So before we go any further, let me just go to some of the, we've got comments pouring through now online. People are commenting. So let's just go pull up some of the comments. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's uh, one saying, hi, we're joining you from work. I'm going to see you throughout. One says, Hey bro, I grew up, I grew up with grandma <laughs> in Jamaica too. I guess Rochelle knows. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about the granny plats here as well, the one you mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah. This one says, Wow, I'm a teacher too. Much in Hi, common. Rita. Okay. And um, today's question Where does your strength come from? Where does your strength come from? Because they've detected that, that inner strength in you. Where does that come from? Well, to be honest with you, I, I spoke a lot. I spoke about my grandma before, and I must. Uh, uh, speak about her some more when it comes on to being strong I definitely say I've gotten a dose or two of her strength when it comes on to being just that strong um, woman figure in our family she'd be in pain but she'd be still carrying on doing what she had to do and for me you know uh, just that along with the fact that I had these two children by the time I was 20 I had two children to take care of and I, with the whole determination that I didn't want their lives to be the same as mine growing up. I wanted them to have more opportunities. I wanted them to understand what it feels like to be loved by a mom, at least, you know, because I could control that from my, from where I was. You know, all of this really gave me the inner strength to push forward. And moreover, you know, at some point, right around 2022, I really gave my life to the Lord. So, that and just the fact that, you know, I wanted so much to be different. I wanted to be greater. I wanted to be the abundant person that I read about in the Bible and that, you know, I'm supposed to be transformed to be. So all of that made me into this powerball, if you would put it that way. Because, wow. yeah. Well, this throws me into the, this one just came up from Bola. Bola says, my faith. And I was, I was going to ask you that. How does, how, how does your faith play a major part in what you do and what you've achieved so far? As I, it's integral. As I said, when I do anything I do, whatever I do, I aim for excellence. And why am I aiming for excellence? Because I know that I'm, I'm a royal priesthood. Um, I got to know myself through the eyes of God. If you want to know more about yourself, you really need to study more about God. Who is God? And a lot of people have, you know, like some superficial 
thinking about who God is. And God has a big personality. He's the guy who gets upset. He gets mad. He's full of jokes and humor in my perspective. And he's that God who has spoken and has declared a lot of different things like who I am. I am a royal priesthood. I am excellent. I am abundant. You know, these are all things that I have come to know for myself. So when people try to put God in a box and put you yourself in a box, you know, I have torn away the size of that box a long time ago and I've moved so far beyond that box. So Hey, Sandy, I can feel a sermon coming on, Sandy. I can, I can feel a sermon coming on, Sandy. You, you're, ready, you're ready to give a sermon here. You're ready to preach. You, you want to be cut loose right now. <laughs> and then we have Dr. Rochelle Carnell talking about grand, grandmother power. You know, oh, yay. <laughs> all, all, almost every one of my interviewees that I've interviewed, they talk about some some of grandma's instructions, some of grandma's wisdom, some of, you know, so much from grandma. How would you classify yours? Is it, was it wisdom or was it security? Well, <laughs> well, it definitely would have been wisdom because the wisdom brought on the, the, the security and everything else, right? Because she, she knew what was out there waiting. <laughs> What do you mean she knew what was out there waiting? She was grandma. She, 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 grandma was about what? How old was grandma at the time? About what, in the 60s, 70s? Uh, she must have, well, ooh, yeah, her 70s. Definitely. In the 70s. So, yeah. so grandma had lived, had lived 70 years. That, that was the mm. old days. That was the <laughs> old days, man. So what do you mean that she knew what was ahead? What do you mean by that? She knew. Like, I mean, uh, even though, you know, I, I'm laughing because of my tribute. You know, I said that, you know, I felt like she was unreasonable and miserable. And she always said, you know, I'll ask him, Mama, why? How pig ask him, why? I'm out so long. And he said, and she said, I come here, come here, we see. Yes. And here I am. And here I am, right here. Time. You've got to slow that down. Sonny, you've got to slow that down. You were just speaking Jamaican dialect just then, yeah? And, okay. and not, ev not everyone understood what you were saying. You were speaking okay. Papua. So the, the, come with the that again. The of the Jamaican dialect. Pig yeah. asked the mother, why is her mouth so long? And the mother replied saying, you're now growing up. You're growing up. You will see one day. <laughs> Okay. So, 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 so say the saying now. So say say what it is now in Jamaican in Jamaican Patra. Right. So pig asked him, Mama, why I'm out so long? <laughs> and she <laughs> said, I come here, come, you know, we see. <laughs> Pig asking mama why you mold so long. I come here, come you we see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Okay. So, that, that, that's know, amazing. And this, this spoke to a lot of the wisdom. Um, as I said, I felt like she was unreasonable. And by the way, I grew up with my father's mother and, and my father has a big sister as well. So, you know, these two women, so of course, my grandmother raised her daughter. She would have had some of the same wisdom. So just being under the tutelage of these two was just so impactful for me when it comes on to wisdom. So a lot of decisions I've made, even though I've slipped up and I've messed up along the way, I've come to realize that, you know, even when you make, uh, even when you make mistakes, you've got to make some tough life decisions and you have to stand by your decisions, even when they don't go so well. So for me, you know, even using that, I can say that, you know, there are cases where my children think I'm unreasonable and they think I'm miserable and they think I'm probably the worst. But at some point, they would have gotten to the place where they understand that, hey, this is my mom had to make these decisions because she could see beyond, you know, what we are seeing as children. And that's just what it is. So would you say that your kids are now thinking that is high security around them now? Huh? <laughs> I've, I've loosened the reins a little bit, just a little bit. But they you've, know. <laughs> you've loosened the reins. Okay. Yes, just a little right. bit. Before we ask your next question, let's just go to our sponsor. Let's just drop in a, a, a word from our sponsor at the moment. You are listening to the Message Talk Show and Podcast. Do you believe you have something to share? 
Do you believe you have something to contribute? Do you have a story to tell the world, to share with your community? Gandhi said, man often becomes what he believes himself to be. If you think you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. So join us on the Message Talk Show and Podcast with host Alex Gordon. So the, the question I, I, I wanted to ask you, and I, I, I think I know what the answer is now. I was going to ask you, you know, who's your, who was your role model? <laughs> right. <clears throat> Already, you know. <laughs> you. These two ladies, but to be honest with you, um, my grandmother was always there. But uh, more when it comes on to role model or looking at the person who stepped out and made a life for her own, you know, that definitely was my aunt. Uh, she was the first role model I've had. It's not that I haven't had others, but she was definitely the first. And I was thinking about that even a few days ago. I was thinking that, wow, she really was the first woman that I really sat back and said, hmm. I would really like to be like my aunt one day. She had her children very young as well. She had to step out, make some tough decisions. Um, but then I could see where she went abroad. She made a life and she was able to give back to the community in her own way, which is, I think is very different from what I do now. But I still see where she's done a lot of work in, in her community and with family members. Um, and so I decided that really, okay, this is possible. I could do this. And so I look, I, I have looked up to my aunt ever since. And even on to this very day, she plays a very important role in my life. And that's just one of my role models. So do you see yourself as a role model now? Oh, definitely. Um, been told so many different times, you know, and, and it's just an honor to know that at least I'm walking in the right direction where someone could look at me and get some strength or just some inspiration from me or from my life. So I find that um, that makes me feel humble and it also makes me feel appreciative and makes me feel on days because believe me there are days right now where there are people out there who try to still tear you down and, and that's just the unfortunate thing about humanity you try to move uh, you try to move beyond your your problems and beyond your past and beyond the hardships of life but there's just people out there who are still trying to kind of like pull your strings and pull you down but then you have these people who, you know, from time to time, every day, they remind you that, hey, thank you for what you said. Thank you for doing that. You're such a role model. You know, thank you for everything you've done over the last, you know, and that makes a big difference. You know, even going on, even on the days when you feel like you don't really want to go on, you know that you have to go on because these people are counting and on you. People are depending on you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Talk about inspiration. Talk about people depending on you. I think it was, what, two years ago? You went off to Zimbabwe for a week or two? A month? Yeah. Oh, a week. Uh, ten, a week? Ten days. It was ten ten days. Tanzania. Ta ta okay, sorry. Tanzania. <laughs> Come on, Tanzania. Mary. Tell us yeah. about Tanzania. <laughs> it, you know what? The most amazing thing that happened, I'm, I'm going to share a low spot, and I'm going to take you somewhere with this. For, for about two weeks, you know, as it approached to summer holiday, then I couldn't sleep. I really couldn't sleep. I had a hard time sleeping. It was like Laura was tugging at my spirit, you know, just telling me that there's this thing that I needed to do. At the time, my children weren't even living with me. And, you know, I think it's three years now because that happened in 2017. My children weren't living with me at the time. I wanted to go to Jamaica for, for the summer just to be with the kids. I couldn't go back to Jamaica for the summer because I think I'd gone there for the, the spring break. And so my spirit, my, my it was just tugging at me, tugging at me. And I had to just yield. And in yielding, you know, everything became clear. Everything fell into place as to where I should go, what I should do. And I was really called, sent on a mission to a little community in Tanzania called Arusha. And um, 
I was sent to this place and, and this little little village school was there. This little hut, basically a little hut that is schooling over 50, uh, over 50 kids. They barely had space to move. They barely had any form of, you know, resources. But here I am all the way here in Dubai at the time. You know, God placed it on my heart to buy these resources, stay there and go there and spend some time with the kids. And I'm telling you, at the end of the day, this guy, this guy who runs the school is a Christian guy. And please understand that this school is situated in a in a Muslim uh, community. And at the end of the day, this guy was like, sister, I can't believe this. Every day for the last, he said, every day for the last uh, week and a half, I've been wondering, I've been thinking, I can't believe that God sent you to answer my prayers. That's what he said to me. He couldn't believe that God sent me to answer his prayers. Answer his prayers, meaning that I came there, you know, I got some support from the amazing people in my community. I have some of the best people on social media who literally helps me to do some of the most amazing things from time to time, whether it's just voting through a competition or just sending in their resource for us to fix a school in a little community, provide shelves and cupboards and, and provide books and resources, play stuff to play with. It was just amazing. And you know what? At the end of the day, I felt so blessed to know that, you know, because of obedience, I was able to literally answer somebody else's prayers. Okay, let me tap that a bit. Let me tap that a bit. He said that he was praying, yeah, and, and you came to answer his prayers, but you also said that you felt something was telling you. You felt a tug in you. Something was was um, guiding your consciousness about doing this trip. Yep. It wasn't like it wasn't like I went with a group. It wasn't like someone pulled us together and said, "Let's go on a mission." No, it was a solo mission. I'm telling you, it was a wow. solo mission. And you can ask my husband. He was. Like, this thing was so strange to me. I was like, and you know what? One of the worst part of it is, you know, I had people, I had backlashes because as I told you, my kids were in Jamaica and mm. I could not go to Jamaica at the time. You know, I was, I was putting everything in the place to really move my kids back here with me. And at the time, I really couldn't afford to go to Jamaica for a second time within a year. But there you had people bashing me, saying, oh, you're going to see about other people's children. Hey. children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so I could have caved under that little wow. negativity or I could just decide to, you know, go, go with everything inside of me, knowing that God spoke to me. And that's so. That's why it's so important for us to know God for ourselves. You know that it's and so let, important. Let me drop into the middle of that right now. So, all the moves that you've made in your life, all the positive moves that you've made in your your life, what would you say has been the guiding influence or the guiding guidance that you've had? Where has it come from? I definitely say this. I believe in the spirit. I would definitely say I believe in the spirit. I would definitely say, you know, before I believed in the spirit, I would say intuition, which I now know that it was the spirit who, which was still guiding me. Um, because, you know, from time to time, we're faced with so many different, uh, so many different decisions. And it's so easy for us to follow our friends, our pairs. But for me, I find that I don't necessarily do that if that's not where the spirit is leading me. I have made a lot of controversial decisions, decisions that many people won't understand right now. But in the end, they'll see. And usually when I do make these decisions, they do work out for good and so I firmly believe that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and keep his commandment because of all the times when I've definitely just zoned in wow. and listened to my heart and followed the spirit's leading all things work together for good awesome all things work together for good the good things the bad things the negative things but it all comes together in the end yes 
So, a- and, that's, and that's just a nugget, just for someone who, it's not my original, but it's just a reminder, just for someone who might have slipped up along the way. Just don't, don't, don't lay down there. Don't stay down there. Just keep, get up and keep moving. Cause guess what? The most amazing thing is God can use, he, he, when he uses us, he uses our flaws, he uses our faults and he taps into them all and makes us, helps us to create our message and makes us into the powerhouses that we really are called to be, which is normally not just for ourselves, but to bless other people, you know? I got a question that came up, and the question was, how would you help young girls today? How would you help young girls today? Uh, one of, the, one of the, the most amazing things I have done over the past couple of years is by really, you know, working a lot on mindset. Um, because when I think about it, I, I realize that, you know, that transformed mind that the Bible talks about, it's, it's for real. And it's something that I feel like a lot of people take for granted. But don't you take it for granted until you start working with people and you realize that changing the mindset is so difficult that a lot of people thwart their own success because they refuse to do the mindset work that they need to do to move from the place where they're at to the place that they're meant to be. And so I've done a lot of um, mindset work with, with young girls and young people in general, because once you can change your mindset, your whole life will change. That's where the change begins. I could take I could take a hundred young girls right now who have been pregnant and looking for a change and put them in a, in a high-end facility and want to train them for a job market. And if they don't change their mindset, if they don't believe that they can break the cycle of, of abuse that's on them, if they don't believe that they can change, you know, just their whole circumstance of, of not having the support that they need or not having the life that they need, if they don't believe that in their minds, I'm promising you, they'll never, ever go far. And that's why, you know, helping young girls by helping them to change their mindset is super important for me. And so uh, over the years, I've had success reset, the mindset reset programs. I have shared my book with them. I have done, you know, community projects, community work through our, through organizations that I'm involved in. And I really do intend on doing much more of that today through empowerment and through mindset um, change, really. You've got a fan club here, you know. You've got a fan club here. Dr. Rochelle Carter, <laughs> Thank what you, a Dr. blessing. <laughs> what a blessing you are. She says, what a blessing you are. Wow, that's amazing. You know, Sadia, you know, I've always said this. Um, when you interview a black person, so when you interview black people, <laughs> Caribbean, Nigerian, or whatever, they always have a lot to say. And you decide that the show's going to go for 30 minutes and then 45 minutes later, you're thinking, my God, the clock's on us, the clock's on us. But in, 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 in summarising this today, in summarising everything that you've, you've said and, and, and done about the positive moves, what is, is, there a, is there a, let me not say a word because you're going to turn it into a sentence, all right? So is there a, is there a sentence that you'd like to say to the masses out there that with, that that's listening to this show, that will be listening to this replay, that will be listening to the podcast, that will be listening on YouTube. Is there a sentence that you'd like to say? You know what? I, I, I would really say that you are your own limitation, really. If you decide to stand in your way and not go where you're meant to go, then you will stay there standing. But if you decide in your mind and follow through with your heart and take the the, the actions needed to get to where you really want to go, nothing can stop you. And that's what I would want to leave with, with someone today. Just envision the life that you want and decide to make the, the effort and take the actions needed, regardless of what you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry has to say and get moving and move forward. Wow. You are your own limitation. You're the one who's stopping yourself. You're the one who's protecting yourself. No one around is stopping you from doing what you want to do. 
of what I feel is your destiny. You are your limitation. That's come back to you today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us today. Thank you for tuning into the show. And I believe that everyone in front of us have a message. And you've listened to this young lady today. We met on Metal 1010. And all she knows she was doing to get me to get to the other day. Go ahead to the other and, and uh, you know, for her to go to Tanzania, and then when she arrived in Tanzania, the school said, Jesse says that he's praying, praying over help, and she, and she was the help, the help that was that was positioned all the across the world to go to, go to Tanzania to provide, to provide support. What I say, what I say you are you are your own education. Sometimes there are things that are pressing you. There are things that are in your spirit. You're being spoken to, and you're ignoring it because you think it's too big. I can't do it. I can't do it now. Let's put it aside. Well, Sanya Green is saying to you that you are your own limitation. And if you take the steps that are necessary, if you take the steps, if you listen carefully and take the steps, then you will fulfill your destiny. Oh, that's awesome. Sanya, man, this has been great talking to you today. And you said you have an you have an event coming up, so let's just promote the event. Okay, okay, everyone. If you are, you know, if you are not busy this weekend on Sunday, as a matter of fact, if you're having a life envisioned workshop, you shouldn't be busy because um, this is an amazing opportunity for you to come and put your vision into perspective. Um, I've been doing vision boards for the past uh, five to six years now, and I have been doing them differently from the mass. And so we've had a two-part series. We've done a part um, on the 11th of July, and we're doing the second part on Sunday the 26th. Um, I'm just inviting you to join. The greatest thing about this is that all proceeds from this go straight to our expat Christian network um, community, which is a is a social entrepreneurship um, business project that I have going on now, where we put back all our resources in the community to help people who might be needing food or medicine or any such assistance, especially back to school coming up. So join us for Life Envisioned on Sunday, July the 26th. You know, if you want to reach out to get your ticket, you can go to Expert Christians, um, no, sorry, PayPal, that me, slash expat christians yes that's how you can um get one of the tickets i'll drop details inside the comments box when the phone finishes so they'll get the details and they'll get the links all right yes awesome thank you so so people can make contact with you they can so you can get contact now what what she didn't tell you is that she's also a publisher as well <laughs> so so she runs lit publishing lit publishing so there's a website, there's an email address, and you can make contact with her on Facebook as well. Sanya, thank you so much for tuning in today, for connecting with us. And there is no doubt that the message that you've given today, the positive moves that you've spoken about, has touched someone's life today out, outside of our reach. Okay? Because we believe... Awesome. Everything we do is ordained. We don't believe everything happens by mistakes. There's no mistake. Things happen. And as you said, all things work together for good. So Amen. don't disappear now as we come to the end of the show. Don't disappear now. And there it is, guys. We end the day. We finish. Thank you so much for tuning in. Get the replay. Share this. Share this with your friends. Those who couldn't attend, share it because there's a replay. And tune in to next week, Thursday, Thursday 11 o'clock, for the message talk show with Alex Gordon. Thank you. Say goodbye, Sonia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. <laughs>